and the title that I put on this sermon is When You're Down, You Look Up. And Father, we just ask Lord that you come. And Father, I ask Lord that you just remove me. And Father, that your word comes through. Lord, anything that is not of you will fall to the floor. But Father, anything that comes from you, Lord, I pray, Father, it will resonate within your people's hearts. Amen. So just a little bit of background, Psalm 42. Um, the Psalms were written to shape and say what the heart and the mind was actually feeling. And Psalm 42 is known as a suffering psalm and a redemption psalm. It's about trusting for God in a time of trouble. And it was written for the music director, um, the Sons of Korah. The Passion Translation actually says that it's a poem for instruction by the prophetic singers of Korah's clan. So who were these? Who was Korah and what's his clan and what's it all about? So they were Levites. Um, and if you were following the Bible project, you remember back a couple of months ago when we were in the Book of Numbers, um, Korah and 250 other leaders stood up and rebelled against Moses. And God brought judgment on them. And in that chapter, it says that the ground that was under them split open and the earth opened and swallowed them up. And they were no more. And that's where we get that saying from, like, if the ground would open and swallow me. You know, maybe something stupid or you're embarrassed, you think, oh, God, I wish the ground would open. And I love how us humans think we come up with all of these things. We don't. Like, God came up with that. A couple of weeks ago, I was sharing on um, First Kings, and, you know, we think Domino's came up with food delivery. But God did. He made the ravens deliver the food twice a day. So, we don't come up with anything. It's all on God. So Korah and the 250 were swallowed up, but his generation after them weren't swallowed up. They were, and the Lord kept them. And so these guys, I'm sure they just wanted to be so close to God because they didn't want to follow or follow in their father's footsteps. So what better place than to be worship leaders in the house of God? 2 Chronicles 20.19 tells us, the Levites from the sons of Korah stood up to praise the Lord of Israel with a very loud voice. So they were actual worship leaders in the temple of God. And we don't actually know who for certain wrote the book of, uh, sorry, Psalm 42, um, but we know it was written to or for the sons of Korah. So let's just read it and see what it says. As the deer pants for the stream of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul tours for God, the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God, under the, the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. <coughs> my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. And at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? 
Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. I just struggle to read that because it's bones smashed pieces. <laughs> so, this psalm, um, I have to say, um, Two weeks ago, I knew I was going to be speaking on Psalm 42, and the Lord had given it to me, and I knew the title of it, but I just couldn't get my head around it. So what I did was I broke it down into three different parts. So the first part talks about the deer being parched, and it talks about the psalmist being parched for God. The second part goes into how he's full of despair, he's um, weighed down, he feels so low, he's done hard, done by, and then the third part, he puts his hope and his trust in God. Preaching to himself, get up out of get up out of grace. So let's break it down. So the psalmist that God is such a powerful picture or an image of this deer who is parting with the thirst. He doesn't tell us why the deer is so thirsty. Maybe there was a drought in the land, or maybe the deer just wandered off so far in the desert or into the forest that he couldn't get back in time to get water when he began to feel thirsty. And if we try to imagine what this would look like, this deer, parched, like parched, probably dragging himself along looking for water. His head bent down, his body stooping over, his legs given under him, feeling weak, feeling like he can hardly walk and just dragging himself to get to the water. He isn't the graceful deer that he once was, with his head held high and bright eyes and is, you know, a slick back and strong legs that will carry him. Now he just feels like he's dying. He feels that the torso is just unbearable. His tongue probably hanging out, his mouth so dry. He feels like he has sand and grit within his mouth. Have you ever eaten anything so salty that you just keep drinking water all day long, trying to get rid of the torso, but it doesn't seem to quench him? So this deer is like that. He's aching to get to the water, to refresh himself, to nourish himself. You see, he needs this water so badly because to him, it's a matter of life and death. And in the same way, the psalmist is longing after God. He's thirsting to be with God once again. He doesn't just need any old drink. A can of Coke is not going to do it. A bottle of water is not going to do it. What he needs is refreshment from the living waters. What he needs is to be close to God again. He knows that his water has to come from heaven. And the psalmist is expressing how desperate he is here to get back with God, to get back into that place. You see, he's crying out to God and he's saying, Lord, just like that deer is panting for the water, that's how my soul is, it's panting, it's dying of the horse for you. <coughs> you see, people can go a very long time without food, but we can't go a very long time without water. As far as I know, we can only last three days without water. And you know, when you watch films of people being left in the desert or dumped in the desert, they're crawling along and they have these mirages. They don't have mirages of buildings or money or fame or fortune. They have mirages of water because it's a life supply that they need. You see, without water, we will die physically. But without the living water of God, we will die spiritually. He goes on to say that my tears have been my water and my food. And we know tears are salty, 
So the tears are not going to quench the trust that he has. He knows he's in deep trouble, physically, emotionally and spiritually. There's a longing and a deep desire within his heart that he needs to connect with God. His heart is aching, his soul is yearning and his spirit is thirsting. His tears are an expression of the grief that he feels being away from God. And then he says to himself, I remember when once I was close to God. I remember when I once swelled them living waters. Verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. With shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. He remembers walking into the house of God. He remembers leading people in worship. He remembers being there in that place with God where his soul is not thirsting, but he is there with God. He remembers being soaked in the living waters. But now he's just like a deer. He's dying of thirst. He's not a graceful deer anymore. Now he is just parched and needs to get back to God. <coughs> and this brings us into the second part, which is the despair part. He's crying out, God, my soul is in despair. I'm as low as I can get. I can't get any lower. The deepness and the darkness within me is crying out to you, Lord. Why have you forgotten me? Why have you left me here? Everybody is mocking me. Everybody is jeering me. They're all saying, where's your God now? You're up there talking about my singing and where is he now when you need him? God, they're all taunting me. Where are you? Why have you left me here? You see, this was a very, very honest prayer coming from the Psalms. He was coming from a low place. But you see, when you're low, the only way is up. So when you're down, you have to look up. He's pouring his heart out to God. Maybe he's angry at God for abandoning him, saying, Why did you abandon me? Maybe he's angry at himself because he didn't stay connected with God. Maybe he's feeling hurt. Maybe he's feeling left alone. Maybe he's confused. How, how could this happen to me if, if I had a relationship with God? How can I feel this way? Why am I full of despair? What happened? You see, I can understand where this challenge is coming from. And I think if we're honest, we all can. We can all relate to him. We can all understand him. Because we've all been there. We all know the struggle is real. Rob shared earlier on this morning, the struggle is real. We've all been there at one time or another, where we feel God has abandoned us. We feel the heavens are closed. There's like a brass ceiling, and our prayers are just not getting through. There's no connection. We feel lost. We feel confused. <coughs> we feel rejected. We feel a little bit depressed. And we feel hard done by. But you see, when you're down, you have to look back up. And see, the danger is when some people get into this of feeling down and feeling lonely, that they isolate themselves. They're afraid of what others might say. They're afraid of what others will think about them. They think, I can't tell anybody this. Because they won't understand. We see, the devil will always tell you, no one feels like you fear. You would be weird. I wouldn't share that away with you. No, they wouldn't accept you if you share that. Don't tell anybody. Just keep this to yourself. Be quiet about your feelings. Suppress them. They'll be okay. 
You'll be fine if you just isolate and just stay away. Then they won't be asking you out of your own way. You don't need them in any way. You certainly don't need God, so where is he? He's not here. He obviously doesn't care about you. If he did, you wouldn't be going through all this. God hasn't got time to answer your prayers. You see, the devil will taunt and taunt and taunt. And he taunted the sounds. He was saying, where is your God? Where is he? He's nowhere to be found. He abandoned you. He brings discouragement to the sounds. And he's pouring salt on the wills that are already there. He's encouraging them. You stay there in that little pit. You stay down there. Keep your eyes on yourself. Keep your eyes on your problems. Keep looking in. Don't look up. You see, he doesn't want us to look up. Because Jesus tells us in John 10, 10 that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. For I have come to give you life, life in fullness, Amen. life in abundance. Yeah. I have come to give you the living waters. Amen. See, the thief is the devil. He comes to steal, kill and destroy, to kill your spirit. It's not new for the devil to come and deceive and trick you. He's been doing it from the very, very beginning. From the very moment that he tricked Adam and Eve, they handed, they handed their authority that God gave over to him. And so he became the father of sin. He became the God of this world. And therefore all humanity was born into the slavery of sin. But you see, Jesus came to make a way. He came to build that bridge back that we can get back into the Father. We can get back into them living waters. You know, there's times in their walk, when we're walking with God, and we know, we know we are in a boxing ring with the enemy. We know that we are going ten rounds with him. But then there's also times that he just sneaks up behind you and gives you a smack in the head and knocks you out, and you don't know where it came from. You see, his aim is to put you down, to keep your eyes on yourself, keep your eyes on your own situation. He doesn't want you to look up. You know, the last week, all over the internet, it's all about Will Smith and Chris Rock. Every time you put it on social media, it's all about the slap that happened. But what I loved about this, not the slap, but what I loved was when Will Smith got up to receive the award, he, he made a statement, he said, that Denzel Washington had pulled him aside and said, at your highest moment, be careful, because that's when the devil comes from you. So then he said to him, you need to be careful because when you're up there, that's when the devil will come and try to pull you back down. And I love the fact that he spoke it out. And maybe people in the audience needed to hear that. <coughs> maybe they don't know who God is. Well, and for the church, when you're at your highest, the devil will try to pull you down. But you see, he doesn't care if you're at your highest. He doesn't care if you're at your lowest. He doesn't care if you're somewhere in between. He will just come, whether it's top, middle, or bottom. He doesn't care. He'll come, he'll try to save. It'll be a little sneaky dig into the ribs or a critical words or a look. But you see, he can do all that. Because it was always, from the very beginning, always God's intention to be in a fellowship and to be in a relationship with his children. You see, God never wanted us to be so low and to be struggling so bad that we have to almost crawl back to him. 
He wants us living in the fullness of life. He wants us having refreshing waters every day. He wants his children running into his arms every day on a daily basis. He wants us swimming in the waters with him. You know, most of us here probably have kids. We don't only talk to our kids on a Sunday. <coughs> we talk to our kids every day. We nourish them every day. We look after them every day. And that's the way the Father is with us. He doesn't only want us coming here on a Sunday. He wants to pour into our lives day after day after day. And see, suddenly, all of this came back into the mind of the psalmist. He began to remember who God was. He began to remember who he once was. He began to remember, when I'm down, I need to look up. Which brings us to the third part, hope and trust in God. You see, the psalmist began to question himself. He began to question his soul, saying, why are you so sad? Like, what's going on with you? Why are you feeling this way? Don't you know who God is? Don't you remember? Verse 8, by day the Lord directs his love, and at night his song is, is with me. He begins to remember the faithfulness of God towards him. He begins to remember singing praises unto God in the temple. He isn't quite at the stage where he wants to get up and sing out loud. Because in verse 9 he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? So here he's remembering what God has done for him, but then he goes back. Now God, like why? Why have you forgotten me? You see, when you're trying to crawl up, the enemy will push you back down. But you know that God is big enough to take all of our moms, to take all of our anger, to take all of the accusations <coughs> that we have. You know this. <coughs> You turned your back on me. He's big enough to take all of that. You see, I believe that the psalmist says to himself, you need to wake up. You either believe in God or you don't. You either go forward with him or you stay in pity. Not both. You can't have one foot in, one foot out. You're in or you're out. And so he begins to speak to himself, yeah, why am I moaning because my enemy is oppressing me? Because the enemy is oppressing you because you were once in his camp and now you're in the camp of God. So that's why he's trying to oppress you. So he's saying, yeah, that's why he's after me. Because he wants me back, but I'm not going back. So don't be sad, soul. I can imagine him having a mirror up, looking at himself in the mirror, talking to his own reflection. Don't you remember everything God done for you? Remember when he provided for you, when he healed you, when he protected you. Remember the goodness of God over your life. Remember God's favour and his blessing all over you. Remember singing songs of joy in the temple before him. He begins to prophesy to himself, you will be in the presence of God again. You will worship him again. He doesn't give in to the taunts of the enemy. He doesn't give in to the discouragement. He pushes himself to climb up out of that pit. He almost reprimands himself, gives himself a good talking to. Why are you moaning so? Just shut up and look to God. Look to him because he will move and he will praise again. How many times have we come beside a brother or a sister that's struggling in the Lord and we say to them, hang on in there, don't give up. God is never going to leave you. He's going to get you through this. But when it comes to us, do we say the same to ourselves? No. We can stand beside a brother and a sister and say, I'll be with you. Hang on in there. 
Even if you're hanging by your fingernails, hang on in there. But when it's all struggling, we tend to forget all of that. But we see we need to say the same things to ourselves. Hang on in there. Even if you're hanging by your fingernails, hang on. We need to encourage ourselves. We need to preach to ourselves. We need to speak to ourselves the way we would speak to others. Because when we're down, we can only look up. You see, the psalmist doesn't say, I'm going to stay in this place forever. He doesn't agree with the lies. He doesn't agree with the lies that God doesn't care about me. He shakes it off like an old overcoat that was put on him. The lies of despair, the lies that the enemy was putting on him. It was like a heavy overcoat weighing him down. He stands up and shakes it off. I'm not wearing this coat anymore. No way. No more enemy, I'm not listening to you. And again, he demands the soul, put your hope in God. He takes himself by the scruff of the neck. Get up, get up out of here. If no one else is pulling you up, get up. Pull yourself up, get up. He speaks to himself, don't you dare come alongside them lies. Don't you agree and sign any contract or any deal with despair. He preaches to himself, get up. Don't mind them tongues. Why are you down? Where's your faith? Don't you remember the God you serve? Don't you remember the God who saved you, who set you apart? Who called you for such a time as this? You see, this psalmist didn't let his emotions dictate his mind or his heart. It doesn't actually say this in this, this part, in the scriptures, but I like to think, I just like to think, that the psalmist actually seen the deal. He's seen them parching and crawling and gasping for water. He's seen the deer find the water and get into the water. Not only put his mouth in to drink, but jumped in, guzzling the water underneath. And then he's seen the deer come up out of the water. Eyes were bright again. The head was held high again. The legs were strong again that could hold his body. His coat glistening with the water and the sun shining on him. He sees that he is refreshed by the water. And I believe that the psalm says to himself, Well, if God can do it for him, he can certainly do it for me. It reminds me of the scripture in Luke where Jesus says, Look at the boards of the air. They don't, they don't care because they know God's going to provide. Look at the leaders in the valley. They know God's going to provide. And I would like to think that the psalm is the same. He looked at the deer and thought, well, if God can do it for him, he'll definitely do it for me. But then later on, he does say again, why have you forgotten me? You see, sometimes we have to keep coming back. Sometimes we try to get up out of the pit, and we fall back down a step or two. God, why did you forget me? And he's like, I believe I'm still here. Oh, yeah. So you get back up again, you begin to climb back up out of that pit again. He's like saying to the soul, I know you don't really want to belt out the song right now, but you're going to, you're going to remove this despair, you're going to remove this hurt, the heaviness and this oppression that was put on you, and you are going to worship God again. So get up, open your mouth, and begin to worship. Look up, look up, and see where your help is coming from. 
You see, God never gets tired of us constantly coming to him. He doesn't get annoyed when we fall and then come back and ask for forgiveness. We're the ones that get tired because we're like, oh, I'm not really going back to this issue again. He never gets tired of us. Jesus told us that he came to give us life. That's 24-7 access to the Father. Not only on the weekends. Not only when we're alone. 24-7 access to the Father. We are welcomed, we are loved, we are forgiven every single time. So the Psalms begin to say, I praise you God. And I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to hope in you. I'm going to love you. I know you won't abandon me. And I know you're the God who saves me. I know you're the mighty God. I know you're the God of the fathers of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And see, the more he begins to praise, the louder he gets. Now God, I know who you are. And I'm going to serve you. I'm going to lift my eyes up to the heavens. Or where my help is coming from. And the more he begins to pray, the stronger he gets. The spirit is beginning to grow. The torch is decreasing. The living waters are beginning to bubble up within him. Yes, faithful God, I will worship you. I will love you. Just like that deer panted for the water and you looked after him. My soul is panting for you and you will look after me. You see, the living waters will refresh him. They fill him up. All doom, all despair, all depression is gone. He encourages his soul, come on, get up, get up, get up. I can imagine singing and dancing, hell lost another one, I am free. You see, when you're down, the only way is to look up. I lift my eyes up to where my hell comes from. The sound was real and heaven was feeling. He didn't hide anything from God. Nothing. He let it all in. He let it all in. And because of their honor, he was refreshed. The waters began to flood. So I would encourage you, if you're feeling down, lost, despaired, whatever, or just a bit sluggish, get up. Yeah. Get up and begin to praise. You don't want to sing him. Lord, I love you. I trust in you. And the more you say it, the 